0: For the title of the class, it would make more sense to have some wine because the question we're going to discuss today is why do Jews always drink wine? But uh, we will go with what we have. We have some Perrier, so say Chaim on the Rosh Chodesh, Chaim Chodesh Tov for each of us and all of us. Please take Amen. something. It's kosher to eat. Please take something. Amen. God willing, very soon this disease is completely gone from the world. What's going to happen? You know what we're going to do? we have a real celebration. A lot of, lot of simch, a lot of joy in the whole world, Mr. Hashem, after this whole thing is over. Completely. Already, uh, you know, many... Yes? It depends on how many masks you have. Okay. All right. Depends <laughs> if you're in the business of selling masks, or saying. All right. So, uh, similar way that after the flood happened, that we, this week we're reading about Noah and the flood. What did Noah do after the flood was over? What did you do? He came to the mountains of Ararat. He comes out of the ark. And he brings sacrifices to thank God for the great miracle of his his survival. And that's something the Torah wants us to know because that's what you're supposed to do when you experience a great miracle and God saved you. You're supposed to express your appreciation to Hashem. But then he does something else which is also as famous or perhaps more famous, is that he plants seeds and he grows a vineyard and he presses the grapes and he makes wine and he gets drunk now not only does he get drunk but the whole story of how he was lying naked on the floor and how he was disgraced now Noah lived for 360 years after the flood there were many many thousands of events in his life why does the Torah choose to tell us about this event about him getting drunk why is that the number one thing that we need to know is the Torah just trying to tell us that we shouldn't drink? Yeah. I mean, we have lots of laws in the Code of Jewish Law about about what you're allowed to drink, what you're not allowed to drink, are you not allowed to get, bring yourself to, to the state of Noah. Yeah. So, what was the meaning over here? And also, the Torah calls Noah a tzaddik. He's a righteous person. Why would a righteous person bring himself to such a disgrace, to, 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 to such a thing? So, one explanation is, that the waters of the flood are called the waters of Noah. Why are they called the waters of Noah? Because for a certain extent, he is considered guilty of those, uh, of those waters. It was his fault in some way. How is it his fault? There are different explanations. The Zohar says he should have prayed for a generation and prayed for them. Others say that he didn't really make an effort to inspire other people to do teshuva. He did, but he didn't. He didn't really, wasn't sincere. So, to a certain extent, the loss of life of the whole world was weighing on his shoulders. So, in order to alleviate this terrible pain and grief and guilt, what did he do? He drank, got drunk. And the Talmud actually says, Yayin el The reason God created wine is to comfort the mourners. It means a certain kind of relief a person experiences temporarily through drinking wine. So, that's what Noah was trying to do. It makes sense. He wanted to, like, you know, let go of some of that, that pain he was experiencing. But that doesn't really satisfy us, because everything in the Torah is, is precise, and there's always a greater depth than meets the eye. So I want to share with you something from the Zohar, from Shmuel Yochai, which opens up for us a path in our lives today, and how we need to live. Rashi asks the question, where do you get the grapes from? Rashi says... When he walked into the ark to begin with, he brought with him, I think it's called shoots of, of grapes and of figs. In other words, it wasn't something that he happened to think of at the moment. Oh, let me go find something to drink right now. Let me go get some wine. Before the flood started, he already brought with him the grapes and figs into the ark. So where did those, where did those grapes come from? The Zohar says, that Yehuda says, they came from the tree of knowledge. Now, there are many opinions about what the fruit of the tree of knowledge was. Itzadat, what was it? In America, the most famous opinion is it was an apple. The reason why it comes from the apple is because of the Christian artists who made pictures of, made made, uh, uh, paintings of the sin of the tree of knowledge with an apple. But there's not one opinion that it was an apple. There's no one. It, It was not an apple. There are various opinions the truth is that it was a a tree that had more than one fruit in it. It was a unique kind of tree. It had in it grapes. It had in it figs. It had in it wheat. And one opinion says it also had an etrog. An etrog was also in the tree. So what was the most dominant thing in that tree? What was the number one thing? So there are, the Yudah says the number one thing in the tree was the grapes. And Noah got his grapes from the tree of knowledge. He planted his seeds from From the seeds of the grapes of the tree of knowledge, what was he trying to do with that? Why was he taking those grapes specifically? and why did he go into the ark with him with having this in mind? he wants to go he wants to go plant the seeds of the tree of knowledge. What does that mean? I mean it was, it's, so what he wanted to do says the Zohar says he wanted to fix the sin of Adam and Eve Adam and Eve. They had their downfall by eating from the tree of knowledge. And he wanted to fix this by eating from those grapes. Now, if the mistake was eating grapes, what, what's a logical way of fixing it? Not eating grapes. Don't eat the grapes. He wasn't, he wasn't a, uh, commanded by God about anything about these grapes. And if anything, if he wants to learn a lesson from the story of the tree of knowledge, the first lesson you should learn is stay away from the wine. So what's the meaning of him trying to fix the sin of the tree of knowledge and how is he fixing it? He's fixing it by eating the grapes. What what, what does that mean? The opposite would make sense. So to understand this, to first understand exactly what was the problem, what was the mistake of the sin of the tree of knowledge? It's a very relevant question to each of us because it says that every one of our souls was included, was part of the soul of Adam. In Adam... All of our souls were there to the extent it says that if one soul would have said to Adam, well, all of our souls were there in Adam, if one of us said, "No, don't, don't do it, he wouldn't have done it. It was only because everyone, so to speak, agreed to it, and all of our souls were into it, and he. that's why that mistake happened, and it blemished and it, it tainted all of humanity. So let's understand first who Adam is. Adam, the explains, and others explain, he was like an angel. He had no sense of jealousy, of hatred. He, he had no sense of self, of ego. He, he didn't have any... Not only that, he had... Who, denti- who Adam. jealousy? Only he and <laughs> Chava, that's it. You can't know, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> just make people laugh. Adam... Adam, did not Not only did he not have anyone to be jealous of, but there was nothing in him, he didn't have a jealous bone in his body, if you will. He identified with his soul, identified with his neshama, he identified with truth. Imagine, you go to a playground, and kids are playing basketball, and the kids are running around, you say to one, hey, hey, are you happy? What's the kid's going to say? He doesn't know what you're talking about. He's, he's so excited and happy with what he's doing, he doesn't know that he's happy. He doesn't, he's not aware that he's happy, because he's so happy. The same is also with uh, Adam before the sin of the tree of knowledge. Um, by the way, ma- why don't you guys pull over it it's, no? it's a chair and sit down? No, good idea. Go no, no. <laughs> So he knew about Adam. wasn't He wasn't knowledgeable. It wasn't that he was unknowledgeable about um, evil. It's kind of like us being aware of things that people do that are atrocious and disgusting. Like one lawyer was telling me the other day that he never represents the side of a landlord. He always represents the side of the tenant, except for one instance where a tenant tried to hurt both the husband and wife landlords in a very disgusting way. Anyways, so... So there's kinds of things that you, you couldn't imagine someone would do. Terrible things you wouldn't imagine someone would do. But that doesn't mean that you have any affinity to it. You, you just, you're aware of certain kinds of evil that exist, but not that you would ever do it. In a similar way, Adam knew about evil. He knew about wrong. He knew about bad. But he had no connection to it, no interest in it. He, didn't, he, wasn't even, he was, didn't have even the feeling of happiness necessarily, because he was happiness. He intrinsically, He intrinsically, hey, His whole essence was his happiness, his Nishama, his connection to Hashem. There was no sense of self at all. There are um, a lot of artists that try to make paintings, try to make make, uh, uh, monuments or uh, statues, and they say that, or or singers, and what's the key to being really good at, or speakers, What's the key of an art, of a craft, of, of, of talent? It's forgetting about yourself. When the artist thinks about, you know, who is going to buy my painting, that thought taints the, the art. The artist, in order to be able to really, really get involved in creating something that's, that's beautiful, the artist has, has to lose himself in the creation of the art. So, so is with the singer. Now, today's singers are all about you know their, their career. It's not really, don't really have that. but. Maybe in, in, in other instruments, someone some does you know someone plays piano to, to, in a way that they don't they lose themselves in the art they, they don't they don't you don't even feel that there's someone playing the piano they're, they're lost in in the um, in the experience. So in a similar way, Adam wasn't didn't have a sense of ego. He was just a pure neshama, pure soul. And how did the snake seduce him then? What did the snake say to him that would make him want to make this bring evil into him? what, what was going on in him? He, he was so pure. He said. The snake said a very funny thing. The snake said, you know why God doesn't like you to eat from the tree of knowledge? Because he knows the day you'll eat from it, you'll be just like God, and you'll know about good and evil. And the Midrash says, he knows that the day you'll eat from the tree of knowledge, you will create things like him, will create worlds like him. What does that mean? Adam and Eve are human beings. What does it mean they're going to create worlds? What does that mean? they're going to? He seduced them and told them, you're going to be like God and create worlds. When you're in a state of... of purity, of holiness, totally in, in, aligned with your true inner self, the whole concept of creativity doesn't really doesn't really exist. Because in order to have creativity, you have to have some darkness there to contrast with the light. So the snake was telling them, you guys, God want, put you in this world to do something. You guys are, everything you do is, is meaningless. You know why it's meaningless? Because you're all pure, you're all holy. You know how you'll be able to be creative and make something special in the world? In order to be creative and do something special, you know what you have to do? You have to bring something negative in you. You have to bring some ego in you, some evil in you. When there's some evil, some consciousness, like when God made the world, first God made darkness, and out of the darkness, God said, let there be light. Only if there's first some kind of darkness and evil, can there be some kind of, can you really appreciate the light? Like it also in in art, Uh, artists, when they make a, a painting, they... They, let's say they want to make a picture of uh, of uh, something, someone very handsome over here. Let's say like uh, ah, right? picture of me. That's right, like David. So what do they do? They darken all of us and they highlight the the center of, of the one they're trying to draw, right? So, so in a similar way, um, it, it's the contrast of the of the light and the dark, of the good and the evil that creates really the um, the beauty. So the snake was telling Adam and Eve. In order for you guys to be really to do something special in this world, you have to have some kind of connection to evil. Some kind of connection to arrogance, to ego, to jealousy, to hatred, to anger. There has to be a sense of self. That was the meaning of the Torah, how the Torah describes how, how Eve was seduced to do the sin. She said, "Ah, oh, what a bombshell. What an amazing idea this guy is telling me. I'm able to do something special I never was able to do before. It wasn't, he, he's seducing them in, in a way that made sense to them because of their desire to be creative and impact the world. So what he said was very relevant, very impactful. And it's kind of like the story of the people of Chelm. People of Chelm were very intelligent people, but they got a bad rap. Because they were so intelligent, everyone was very jealous of them. In Europe, the city is a true city called Chelm. Everyone makes stories making fun of them because everyone was very jealous of them. Anyway, the people of Chelm, they say, they were talking about who was greater, the sun or the moon? And for a year and a half, they can't figure out whose light is greater. And finally, the conclusion is that the moon is greater. Why? The sun gives light during the day. Big deal. But the moon, in the nighttime, it's dark. Now that's a chiddish. That's something novel. So, (laughs) huh? But, But their idea is, which was relevant to what we're saying over here, is that the snake was telling Adam and Eve, in order for you to be able to lift someone up, they have to be downtrodden. You know, if you want to be a doctor to heal someone, someone has to be sick. If you want to be able to to uh, to, to, to reveal your power as a teacher, that's be someone doesn't know, that has to be a lack of knowledge. So this is the reason why um, the Torah says that Adam is called Adam. Adam comes from the word Adame, which means similar, and also Adama, which means earth. There's two components in Adam. One component of Adam is, he's earthy, he's physical, he's low. Another component is, Adam he's similar to God. So the snake was saying, if you want to be like God, you have to be earthier. You're not physical enough, you're not low enough. You have to have some of that 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 fruit, that, that vine, and that will bring you down. But what happened in the end? Did it work? Didn't work. It caused havoc, it caused a change in Adam and Eve. They, they, they knew about evil before, but they had no connection to it, no interest in it. After they ate from the tree, all of a sudden they had this, this, this twisted thinking and attraction and connection to things which aren't true, which aren't real. And it developed and developed to the lives that we have today where we have an identity, we identify with things which aren't, which aren't wholesome and good and pure. We, 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 we like those things. So what did Noah want to do? What did Noah want to do? Noah wanted to fix this in the tree of knowledge. How is he going to fix it? Is let me take those vines. Let me take the grapes. That's why he entered the ark with the grapes and with the figs. He wanted to fix the sin of the tree of knowledge. How is he going to fix it? So the Torah says that wine has a positive component as well. What does wine do? Wine brings joy. And joy makes you break out of your boundaries. So Noah said, I know what to do. Everyone has a sense of self and a sense of ego. We'll get everybody drunk. We'll fix this. We'll go away from what the sin caused. The sin causes to have the sense of self. We're going to bring everyone to the sense of vulnerability and humility. But the problem is like this. There's two words in Hebrew. One is bricha and one is b'chira. Very similar. Bricha means to run away and b'chira means to choose. Very often a lot of people in life, it seems like that they're choosing, look deeper, they're not choosing, they're running away. So in a similar way, when someone has an issue and they try to solve the issue with uh, drugs and with alcohol, what they're really doing is they're running away from reality. They're not dealing with the issue. They're, they're running away from it. So what Noah was saying, yeah, there's a problem with the tree of knowledge. It's a problem. But how are we going to fix it? We're going to fix it by, by getting confused, by getting, by getting drunk, by dumbing our senses. What happens? A person, maybe gets drunk, maybe not have that sense of ego and everything. But after he finishes his drunkenness, and after he finishes his hangover, he's the same obnoxious person that he was before. <laughs> There's nothing that, nothing that changes. So that's what Noah wanted to fix, but he didn't fix it. On the contrary, he, he, things aren't fixed that way. Who was the one who fixed it? The Torah says that there was someone who was, should have been born before Adam, was greater than Adam. Who was greater than Adam? Gadosh van Hakim. The greatest of the giants, who's called the greatest of the giants? Avram Avino. Avram Avino was the first one who dealt to fix the sin of the tree of knowledge. What did Avram do? Avram went out into the, the, reason why he wasn't first, by the way, was because God said the first one could always make a mistake. So therefore, we'll put him later, you know, like defense, whatever. <laughs> but Avram made the first Chabad center, we know, right? He went in the desert, and he had this hotel, and he had people who can come and eat. By the way, Vita Esho is the miracle equivalent to Beit Chabad. He had a place where people could have me- meat. You could do it. You could do, do the Gemacher. You could count it up. I'm not making this up. He had meat and he had wine. He, wine. In the desert, people could have Why would someone do that? Someone would do that to make money, right? What, what do Jews do when they go to a restaurant? How much is the owner making on us? You know, that's how they discuss. So, but Avram wasn't making any money. What did Avram do all this for? Why did Avram give everyone wine? Wine. Same, the same fruit. Why did he do that? He did it because he wanted to spread the name of God. He wanted to share the name of God with everyone. And to share the name of God, He gave everyone wine. Wine could be something that gets you drunk and makes you forget about the world and, and, and just blinds you and confuses you. But wine could also be something positive. We see every time there is a wedding and a marriage, How, how do we do, what does the Rabbi hold and the Khatan Kala hold at the marriage? Wine. What do we call a marriage? Kiddushin. It's a holy event. And we use wine. Every Brit Milah, Brit Milah, make the blessings of Brit Milah, on wine. Every Shabbat, we make Kiddush a Kiddush on wine. So there's something positive also about the wine. What's a positive thing about the wine? There was this guy who became. Uh, He's actually in town this week, um, Rabbi Dror. He's a rabbi's emissary to the Himalayas. He's right next to the Dalai Lama, He's a very special man. He originally, when he went, he went to the Dalai. All these, a lot of Israelis go to India to search for spirituality, and they and they really are discovered Judaism for the first time because of the Chabad rabbis there so they go there to find Buddha or whatever and they find Shabbat anyways that's what happened to him either way this guy he he became a religious person What triggered what changed him he was once doing meditation with four other guys three guys and a, and a girl and they're all in the same room and the girl he could see she was shaking she was she was shed a fever and she needs some medicine so he says to the guys guys we have to get her some medicine. What do they say? Shah, meditation. Listen, meditation. But she's sick. She needs medit. She needs medication. not medication. No, 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 no. We'll leave us alone. He realized this is not what God wants. This is not the purpose of. He, that's, what he, that's when it hit him. This is not the right way. There, there. In other lahav, the other religions, they say getting married is a sin. What do we say in Judaism? Marriage, marriage is a mitzvah. Marriage is a holy thing because God wants to have a home in this world, and that's the meaning of of the wine that Avram used, to spread the name of Hashem. So, there are, let me tell you about, uh, a guy you may have never heard of, you heard of uh, Bill Gates? You heard of Bill Gates? They, they say he has some money, maybe, whatever. So, Bill Gates, Bill Gates. Anyway, never heard of him. Anyway, so, they say this story about Bill Gates. Bill Gates, before he had, the money that he has today, he was once in New York, in the JFK, and he, needed, he wanted to get a newspaper. And this guy is selling newspapers, and Bill Gates says, uh, can I buy a newspaper? And he doesn't have the right change. I say, hey, it's okay. Here's the newspaper. No, no I don't have the money. I'll, you'll pay me next time. A few months later, he's again in JFK. Again, he doesn't have change. And again, he wants. He, he tells the guy, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I don't realize. It. I, again, I don't have change. So the guy says, it's okay. It's okay. I, I, it's okay. I won't lose money. And, the, and the, news, the newspapers I have, I won't lose. It's okay. I have to take the newspaper. Nine years later, Bill Gates becomes the famous Bill Gates, and Bill Gates wants to pay the favors to this guy. He looks for this guy, and after a few months, he finds the guy. He finds the guy who sold the newspapers. He says, do you know who I am? He says, yeah, you're Bill Gates. He says, do you remember me? He says, yeah, I remember you. Do you remember you? He want to give a newspaper for free. He says, not one, I'll give you two. <laughs> so he says, I want, to, I want to pay the favor. I want you to do kindness to me, I want to do kindness to you. He says, kindness? He says, "Yeah." He says, can you compare, the guy, the newspaper salesman, says something very simple, but very profound. He says, you can, can you compare your kindness to my kindness? He says, what do you mean? He says, listen, you, I gave you kindness because I just wanted to give you kindness and have anything. But now whatever you're going to give me, it's because you have it all. It's not really, really expression of kindness just because you don't need it. You can't compare your kindness to my kindness. So Bill Gates said, "This is a person who's richer than me. This is someone who's more wealthy than me." Wealth really is a wealthy heart. You have the ability to think and to feel and to give, and this is the um, the um, message that Hashem is telling us with the story of Noah and Avram and and, uh, and Yitzchak and Adam. The Torah is telling us how to how to look at life. I'll tell you one more story. I'll let you guys go. I know it's uh, some people are already uh, ready to go back to work. One, one more story and I'll let you guys go. There is a, um, rabbi in Detroit. I heard the story from a, named Rabbi Putman from New York. It's a rabbi in Detroit who noticed whenever they did brichat him, the blessing the him, this guy would run out. He would leave the show before brichat him. He always wondered why this guy leaves early. He didn't know. So he decided he's going to invite this guy for lunch. Lunch is after all the prayer services. And we'll see the guy, the guy's going to stay, you know, he may run out, but now he's going to stay because he has to, he's coming to his house for, no. He leaves before Bechat Khanim, Brichat Khanim finishes, and then he goes back inside. He says, Tell me, man, what is this thing you always run off brichat Khanim? What is this? So the guy says that he is a Holocaust survivor. And he was in Auschwitz. And in Auschwitz, there's no food, no drink, you know, it's very hard to live there, of course. And he said there was one guy in his barrack that was encourage everybody there to keep the laws, to keep the mitzvot, to keep the holidays. And it came Passover. This guy managed to get some matzah somehow. Managed to get matzah somewhere, how in Auschwitz? And on the night of Passover, they have 800 people and there's their barracks sitting down for the seder. While they're sitting down for the seder, this Nazi runs into barracks and everyone runs away and they go quickly back to their beds. And then I says, "Who started this whole thing?" And he grabs one Jew next to him and he says to this Jew, "If you, I, I, I'm gonna, if if you don't tell me who did this, I'm gonna kill you." So before. He could say anything, the one who organized it gets up and he says, it was me, wow. kill me. He opens up his shirt, rips his shirt and says, kill me, kill me. Nazis takes out his gun He says, you know what, we're not doing it this way. Everyone should learn from this. And the next day by roll call of all the Jews, they they, they said that this man is going to be a example for everyone, what happens when people go against the rules of the concentration camp and they're going to hang him in front of everyone. So, so they hold him up there. And he says, "I have a last request. You know, there's a rule of of life. A last request. So the Nazi looks at him. What do you want? You want a piece of bread? You want some? Wine? What do you, What do you want? You want shoes? What What do you want?" He says, "I want to give something to my brothers over here. I want to give them brichat kolanim. I want to give a blessing to my brothers here." And he says brichat khanim. There was no. The whole floor was drenched with tears. Pan he says the bracha, and they hang. So this guy, said. After the Holocaust, I came to America, and I had various challenges in my life. I had a challenge about working on Shabbat. I was going to get a good job. It was very hard in the, in the, in the, 40s and 50s and 60s, in the 60s, to get a job without, without working on Shabbat. And, and I was going to accept the job that I remembered. I was introduced to someone who wasn't Jewish, and I was going to consider a relationship. And I remembered. Today, he says, I sent my children to Jewish school and I eat kosher, and I keep Shabbat. And it's all because of the Brichat Kohanim that I heard that. And he said, I'm afraid, if I hear another Brichat Khanim, that may take the place of this Brichat Kohanim, it may take the place of it, and I may lose, may lose something of that moment, and that guidance that I got from that, that, that place. So we have to think on our lives, we have a, a moment of like Adam, we have moments like Noach, we have moments like Avraham, to think about where we're going, what we're doing in this world, and Hashem put us here to bring light and to bring joy and happiness here, that. and uh, Hashem should help us all. We should we should get there. <laughs>